everyone, and welcome to episode 195 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Zephron Olive, and today we got a small crew. Chris Van Meter couldn't be here today, but Richard, back from TwitchCon this weekend, is here to join us. How's it going today, Richard? I'm very tired, Seth, but I'm doing well <laughs> and excited to talk some magic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you were yawning a little bit leading up to the podcast, so it sounds like, how was the TwitchCon weekend? I know this wasn't on our agenda, but was uh, was it a good experience? This is your first time going to TwitchCon, It was right? my first time at TwitchCon. Uh, it was pretty close by, so I didn't really have to travel, so I, I went to check it out, and it was pretty fun. Magic had a huge presence there, uh, the biggest presence I've seen from Magic at any of these conventions. They gave out free decks to everyone at TwitchCon, like actual physical physical uh, welcome decks. They had a huge arena booth or arena slash D&D booth and they had something going on at that stage at all times and you can obviously play arena there. They had people streaming arena there. So it was actually quite impressive and you can tell that Hasbro and Wizards is serious about arena because they have never had this presence at uh, these conventions before so they're they're going all in on arena here and there was no hearthstone there was no artifacts so they were the premier tcg or ccg at the whole event so it was pretty cool yeah it sounds sweet i even watching from home i was mostly focused on the actual tournaments but they had streams going with different stuff DD stuff like streamer battle stuff throughout the whole weekend so it seems like they really did go all out at twitchcon which is cool to see like if you're gonna put out arena might as well go all in on supporting it. So cool to see Wizards actually putting effort into it. Anyway, our plan for today is to kind of jump around to a bunch of different topics. We had two standard Grand Prix over the weekend. Going to talk about those. We had some modern tournaments and some new modern decks developing. Going to talk about that as well. Some small product announcements, a holiday promo, a little bit of Magic Arena news, and then, of course, fish mail to wrap things up since uh, we missed it last week with uh, Reed Duke joining the cast. And thanks again to Reed. That was a really fun episode. If you missed it somehow, check it out. That was a cool one with our sponsor, Spikes Academy, who you should definitely check out, sending Reed Duke over for the show. Anyway, before we jump into it, Spikes Academy, sponsoring today's show just like last week. They are the world's first e-learning academy with some really sweet courses from great players like Paula Vitor Damaderosa and, of course, Reed Duke. You can check them out at SpikesAcademy.com and even get 10% off with the coupon code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, check them out on Twitter, Spikes underscore Academy. So thank you to them for their support. And with that out of the way, let's jump into some standard news, Richard. So we've kind of been waiting for like a month now since Guilds of Ravnica released to actually have a big standard tournament. We have like moto results. We had a couple of team tournaments. But this weekend was kind of the official kickoff of big standard tournaments with a European GP and also a North American GP going this weekend. So what was your take, Richard? I'm sure you probably didn't get to watch them too much since you were at TwitchCon. But what do you think of these results from this weekend? The results are very diverse. Is is that correct, Seth? I don't know, because I'm only looking at deck lists, because I did not watch. But what I do know is viewership was up. We had over 20k viewers for a European Grand Prix. So typically, European Grand Prix don't get as much viewership, because uh, it's a weird time for people in the US. So being one of the bigger viewed Grand Prix says something. Deck list-wise, I see lots of decks. Mono Red Aggro, Mono Blue Tempo, uh, Golgari Midrange, is it Phoenix? It looks like we're all over the place in Standard, and it looks like you can play anything you kind of want. So I think, yeah, I mean... 
I think that's true to some extent. So going into this weekend, it was pretty much all about Golgari, and this even kind of carried over, at least to the European GP, where I think 40% roughly of the Day 2 meta was Golgari midrange. However, based on the actual results, it seems like Golgari was heavily played more so than it was good. Like, it didn't put up insane results, and we see some decks that are really designed to just absolutely stick it to the Golgari archetype. The best example of this is uh, in the New Jersey Grand Prix, Brad Nelson, who is standard master. If you want to like have the best tune version of the best deck for the weekend, you should probably look at what Brad Nelson's doing. But he was playing this Boros Angels deck, which is all about like resplendent angels and Aurelias and rekindling phoenixes and Lyras, which are normally cards that just get wrecked by Golgari because they have all these chupacabras and playcrafters. But the secret is for Takatli Honor Guard, which just absolutely locks down the Golgari deck. So I feel like. Going into the weekend, lots of people were still on Golgari, but coming out of the weekend, I'm feeling more like Golgari is pretty beatable, and we're going to see a shift over the next week or two away from Golgari, because people have figured out ways of interacting with a deck that was the best deck over the first couple of weeks of the format. Ah, Vince has made his way into standard <laughs> guard. Uh, sticking it to creatures with enter the battlefield triggers. So that's a pretty cool piece of tech. And yeah, if you look at the Boros list, there, there's no enter the battlefield triggers. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think of the is it Phoenix list we've been seeing? So when Arclight Phoenix was spoiled, we were always like, haha, here's this bad Phoenix. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. You got to cast three spells. And, you know, we thought it was the token Phoenix that every set usually gets. And, you know, they can't all be rekindling Phoenixes. But here we have, is it spell lists coming up? Uh, you know, they have Electromancer, which is uh, legal. And you have Enigma Drake, Crackling Drake, which have power that scales off the number of instant sorceries. And then you're just loaded with 20, 25 plus spells, cheap spells. And this deck seems to be all over both events. Yeah, I think that uh, Arclight Phoenix was one of the most underrated cards, at least by me, heading into this format. And we're seeing people really going all in building around it in these is it Phoenix or is it spell lists. And it's really just a bunch of cheap cantrips, a little bit of like burn and removal, but it's mostly just tons of cantrips to get it back. And the card that I think has really taken the is it Phoenix deck from being a fine deck to being a really scary deck is Maximize Velocity. So I've been playing Moto over the weekend and Magic Arena, uh, playing Standard, and Maximize Velocity does not look like a card that's scary. It's just one mana, target creature gets plus one, plus one, and hasten to end a turn, and then you can jumpstart it. But in these Phoenix slash Drake decks, one of the scariest things that I can do is just, like, cast all these cantrips, and then they just, like, top deck a Crackling Drake or an Enigma Drake that's, like, ten power or more, and just give it haste and smash you for lethal in one shot that gets around so much of your sorcery speed removal, your sweepers. So I feel like the deck is really developing into a pretty legit deck, and Arclight Phoenix just gives it an insane ability to go long. Like, you keep killing it, and it keeps coming back, and you kill it, and it comes back. So it's proven to be a lot better than I thought it was going to be, at least. So looking at kind of where we are at standard, we're still not at the Pro Tour yet. Pro Tour is still coming, but what I see is four of the five guilds that we have from Guilds of Ravnica are actually represented. You have the Boros deck, you have Golgari, you have Izzet, and you have some Slesnia decks floating around. Demir is kind of the odd one out. Control decks 
are, are opting for different colors. The Jeskai control seems to be the most popular. So four out of five guilds being playable and competitive is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely true, and I feel like uh, the format is in a much more healthy place coming out of this weekend than it was going into it, just with uh, feeling much more diverse. There was a bit of a fear that Golgari was going to just be the dominant deck, but it looks like Standard is readjusting to it. On the control thing in Demir, I think what's happened is, uh, speaking of underrated cards, one of the cards that was maybe most underrated from all of Guilds of Ravnica was Expansion Explosion, which normally copying a spell, the front half, it's not something you normally main deck. The back half, it looks a little bit expensive, but people are kind of waking up to it being uh, almost like the is it version of Sphinx's Revelation, where you just play the control game and then finish the game with this huge expansion explosion. And we saw on camera throughout the weekend, one of the tricks people would do is just like play control kill your opponent's stuff, stay in the game, draw cards with Teferi, and then use expansion to copy a kicked fight with fire once you get up to enough mana and just 20 your opponent after not dealing damage to them all game. So I think right now, because expansion explosion is kind of catching on, I think that's why we see so many of the control decks going into Jeskai. When this winner, once we get Orzov, once we get Azorius, then we're probably going to see more Demir slash Espery grindy control decks uh, having a chance in the format. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move from our guilds. If you can't choose your guild, what if you just play all the guilds? In the classic, we had the weirdest five-color Lich's Mastery deck take down the tournament in the hands of Ali and Chazi. Seth, do you know what this deck is trying to do? What is going on here? Oh, man. Yeah, this deck is one of the sweetest and most unique decks in Standard. So, the end game of this deck, it, it's sort of a control deck where you're just looking to stall out, and then it's got an infinite turn combo with Chance for Glory. Uh, Chance for Glory, we've played it in some various decks before, but it has the drawback of making you lose the game. The trick here is, if you get on a Lich's Mastery, you can't lose the game, so you're free to Chance for Glory for three mana extra turns whenever you want to with Lich's Mastery out. And then the loop that you're trying to set up is actually pretty unique. It involves Mirari's Conjecture, and then using Mastermind's Acquisition to get finishers from your sideboard. If you look at the main deck of of this deck, there's literally no way to kill your opponent. You cannot win the game with your main deck, but you're tutoring up from your sideboard first Nature Spiral, which is this pretty innocent-seeming two-mana green spell that lets you return a permanent from your graveyard to your hand, but once you get up to like seven or eight mana, you tutor that up, and you keep getting your Mirari's Conjecture back from the graveyard, which gets back your chance for glory to take an extra turn, and then your Nature Spiral is going to come back when you're Mirari Conjecture gets a second lore counter to get back a second copy of Mirari's Conjecture to get back your chance for glory. So you take all these turns, and the end result is eventually you are going to get back your Mastermind's Acquisition, tutor up a single Banefire from the sideboard, and 20 your opponent with an uncounterable, massive Banefire doubled up thanks to Mirari's Conjecture. This sounds like a commander deck, Seth. It, <laughs> it really like, yeah, does. It's like a five-card combo <laughs> that needs like a million mana and infinite turns and like, what? How do you even survive long enough to 
do this? How do you even get through counters? Like, does one counter spell just shut you out out of the game? Like, this is this is amazing. This is like a piece of art here. Uh, it is. It is a really amazing deck. I've been playing it a little bit. We played it on stream, and there's going to be videos coming up in the future of the updated version of it. But uh, the secret is that Lich's Mastery buys you a lot of time. Like Lich's Mastery, you have a lot of ways to get cards in your graveyard. Cheap spells like Revitalize, things like Discovery Dispersal to surveil into your graveyard. So Lich's Mastery by itself, combined with a bunch of sweepers, can buy you enough turns to get to the point when you can combo off. The only thing I will say about the deck is if you decide to pick it up, I've been talking to uh, Ali about it a little bit, and the kind of the problem with the deck is when Lich's Mastery leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So in the control matchups, you normally have these decks playing for Cleansing Nova, which normally is there to blow up all the creatures, but can blow up all artifacts and enchantments, and the deck doesn't really have any counters or anything. So if you play against a deck with Cleansing Nova, you got to be really, really careful, and according to Ali, you actually just sideboard out the entire combo in the control matchup and bring in like a bunch of Carnage Tyrants and Immortal Stuns and Thief of Sanity and kind of go on this like uncounterable creature beatdown plan and get rid of all the stuff that can just make you lose the game out of nowhere. All right, so that that is standard. We we had a modern open in Charlotte. Uh, set the what 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 what's happening in modern? So last we talked to Reed Duke. TLDR was Assassin's Trophy sucks, daggers to my heart, dredge <laughs> is crazy, you know, creeping chill just creates an insurmountable life swing. What did we see at the open this weekend? Uh, we did not see much dredge. I think people came prepared for dredge, or maybe people who were playing dredge realized that everyone was going to be prepared with graveyard hate and didn't bring as much dredge. The big breakout deck, as weird as it sounds, was the Amulet Titan deck, the deck that a few years ago was the best deck in the format, and then they had to ban Summer Bloom because people were just winning on turn two all the time. But it seems like playing your Amulet of Vigors and playing your Primeval Titans and getting all your lands and killing your opponent, it's back. It was actually a mirror, an Amulet Titan mirror in the finals. So that was kind of the big story of the event was Dredge not doing well and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Amulet Titan uh, shooting to the top of the format. Although, as people were talking about it, now this probably means that people are going to start playing more Blood Moon decks to be Amulet Titan, which then maybe with the focus being back on Amulet Titan, you won't have as much graveyard hate and people will play Dredge again. So we're seeing a really cool rock, paper, scissors things shifting around in modern at the moment so speaking of blood moons at 27th and at 30th place at the open our our friendly phoenix from guilds of ravnica arc light phoenix shows up again uh in mono red decks with the basis of the decks being bandon reveler uh swift spheres arc light phoenix and then some versions are playing runaway steamkin but basically red decks with like risk factor and and things what what is going on here seth is is just blood moon getting us more wins than we should be getting No, so these decks are not even uh really playing Blood Moon. Some have them in the sideboard, but it's not a main deck card, so it's more of a sideboard card for specific matchups, but this is kind of the newest development in almost the burn archetype. It's a deck that kind of walks the line between Mardu Pyromancer's playstyle, where you're getting all these cards in your graveyard for value, and a straight-up burn deck, where you have these aggressive, hasty, prowessy threats to kill your opponent with tons of burn spells to back it up. So it's a really interesting 
interesting new development. We'll see if it actually catches on. Some of the decks are more burny than the others. The 30th place list is basically a straight-up burn deck that's playing Arclight Phoenix and Bedlam Reveler and Monastery Swift Spear as creatures, and pretty much everything else is a burn spell. Uh, the other list is a little bit more creature-heavy and less burny and more like a prowess-style deck. So I don't know. I don't know if this is people trying out a new card in the modern format, or if we're going to see this actually stick around and become a real deck. All right. And then the, the one piece of news I am interested in, in Seth, is sixth place Jund. <laughs> Three Assassin's Trophies. Looks like Terminates got the cut. So no Terminates. No Abrupt Decays, one Maelstrom Pulse, three Assassin's Trophies, two Coligan's Command, and then 3-2 Split of Bolt and Fatal Push. So, Assassin's Trophy here, and Terminate seems to be the card that has uh, gotten removed to to make room for it. Well... I'm sorry, but I would get too excited, Richard. It was Jadine Complarens, who is like one of the Jund aficionados, just plays the deck a lot, is really good with the deck. So I feel like the success of Jund might be more because Jadine is really good with the deck than because the deck is actually really good in the field right now. Yep. So the 40% deck, if you're good enough, you can make it 50% set. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that is the dream us Jund <laughs> players must hold on to. <laughs> oh, yes. Very, very very true so i mean the format still looks diverse really honestly if there's one takeaway from the tournaments this weekend it's that both standard and modern are looking pretty diverse the things we are afraid about heading into the weekend dredge in modern golgarian standard it seems like those fears at least for now are pretty overblown and that both formats kind of adjusted in a way that we're not really concerned about golgari being 50 percent of the meta at the pro tour or that dredge is going to be so broken in modern that it's going to need another banning in the near future so i feel like it was a good weekend for both formats really yeah my takeaway is just don't play modern in charlotte <laughs> the top yeah. three decks are primeval titan decks oh oh prime time is just running rampant over there yes uh i have never seen so many primeval titans in the top eight of, of a big <laughs> modern tournament i i do not know why primeval titan all of a sudden is like the card of the format also uh before we move on from tournament stuff gotta mention uh we had the mono blue tempo list which we've talked about a little bit because of uh how cheap it is is the big reason to play the deck it's it's creeping up a little bit it's up to 64 dollars now when it was 40 a couple weeks ago but uh gab Nassif, took second place at the European GP playing the mono blue temple list. And he actually said in his interviews and on his stream that one of the reasons he played the deck was because of how cheap it was. And he didn't have to spend a ton of money to buy other cards in the format. And he took it all the way to a second place finish. So if you're looking for that, you know, $50 competitive deck, Nassif really proved that mono blue (laughs) actually has it in it to be competitive. Uh, poor Deceive can only, can only run Mono Blue. He's looking to upgrade his deck next week. Oh, what does that say about the state of magic? <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. Any other tournament thoughts, Richard, or should we move on to other topics? Uh, no, let's move on. All right. So next on our agenda, got a couple of small product things to talk about. First off, we got a spoiler of sorts. It is the holiday promo spoiler. So this is a card that Wizards kind of hands out to friends and family type people, uh, some content people, people that work at Wizards. Uh, so it's not available to buy or in a set, but what is the holiday promo for this year, Richard? All right. It is Bog Humbugs. One in a black, one one creature insect flying 
When Bog Humbugs deals combat damage, hum that many notes of a festive song. If you can, put a plus one plus one counter on Bog Humbugs. If, Flavor if text is like music notes, and maybe someone could actually decipher this. What is what? What song is that? <laughs> uh, it's. It, I do not believe it's a real song. I I could. I actually looked into that when it first came out, and it seems to just be random letters. So I was hoping that it was like a hidden secret code, and it was spelled something out, but it didn't. Uh, so the card it feels like a unstable card like a a silver bordered card which i guess it is to some extent i don't know it's cool i think it's i always like the holiday promos they're unique and flavorful and fun i don't know if i've ever seen anyone play them anywhere i guess you can put them in your cube or maybe your commander deck or something but eh, i don't know they're cool Eh, this one uh, this this one's not hitting it with me i just don't like it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean when i think holidays i don't think Bog humbugs. I, I kind of like the goblin ones and like the gifts given and stuff like that. This one looks, looks like a bug with like fruit loops or something. It looks like fruity pebbles. That's what it looks like to me yeah. when I see this. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's this cool card. And if you're a collector of holiday promos, you know, I think you'd be all over that. Unfortunately, if you're not a friend or family of Watsy, then than ebay is typically where you'd have to pick this up how much do they go for do you know i've never i haven't actually researched the cost i know of them. the good ones expensive are like 50 to 100 bucks Jeez. i know the, okay uh but i don't know what bog humbugs is going for because i know yeah. some of them I, I wanted like um now, now that i have to think of them i've forgotten all of them <laughs> <laughs> the goblin sleigh ride one the, the older ones are more expensive because i think they're more rare too yeah i should i'm actually not sure what all of the holiday promos are. I should actually hold look on, them up. On, I know the gifts ungiven. We actually just have like a straight up article on Goldfish about holiday promos. Did I? <laughs> so, did I who wrote that article? Did I write that? I don't think I wrote that. Oh, maybe I wrote it. Uh, now I can't even find it. So Thopter Pie Network. Okay, Thopter Pie Network was was last year's, right? Yeah, Fruitcake okay. Elemental, Gifts Given, Evil Presents, uh, or Evil Presents, Seasons Beatings, Snow Mercy, Yule Ooze, Naughty... Naughty slash nice stalking tiger Mishra's toy workshop. Absolutely love that one. Goblin sleigh ride. So those are actually all of them in chronological order. Uh, and then bog humbugs. Okay. So I mean, all right. So I guess bog humbugs may be a little bit below the top tier. Like it's no Mishra's toy workshop. I, I, I will say that. Like I think it's a fine holiday provo, but it's probably not top tier holiday provos. Yeah, Wizards creative team got to get on it. We we need we need more memes. We need <laughs> more holidays. Uh what what is this card? Is this card like Will of the Wisp? Like what what is this card supposed to be? I think they just wanted to make a joke on the the name. I think that that's what I feel like. Like Bah humbug, Bog humbug. <laughs> like I feel uh, like that's the whole joke. Uh eh. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, enough but holiday promos. Gifts given is 150 bucks, by the way. All the other oh. promos are around like 30 bucks. Okay. Well, I mean, so I guess that's a cool thing to collect. Uh, we also got another, like, pseudo product announcement this week. So, with Ravnica Allegiance, Wizards is trying out a new type of booster, a collector's booster, which is going to be $13 MSRP. In that booster, you get zero commons. 10 uncommons, 3 rares or mythics, and 2 foils of any rarity. So I guess you could get a foil common, but... uh, So what do you think of these boosters, Richard? 
why are they doing this? Are people going to buy them? What's the point? To save the environment? I have no idea. It's just basically like three boosters with the extra commons and uncommons thrown out. So it's three mythics or rares. So that's like three boosters worth 10 commons. So you're removing two boosters worth of commons and uncommons and then two foils uh, of any rarity. So you get an increased foil chance. But the price is also a dollar more. It's twelve ninety nine. Uh, but plus, like, who actually pays full price for boosters, right? Your boosters usually cost you two fifty three bucks. So this is actually going to be more expensive. And in my opinion, this is just very confusing. Like, magic is confusing enough with all the sets and supplemental products. So when you have your mom, your grandma, uh, your cousin trying to pick you up a gift and they go and they see like a million different magic products, they're just going to get very confused. So making a booster that's like, you know, three boosters combined is just a little confusing. I, I don't know why. I think they should just have like one product, the booster pack, right? And like, that's it. Yeah, it is a little, it is a little bit strange because I think the people that this is like arguably better for are... I guess collectors, which it says in the name, but people that are trying to like play the finance thing because getting two guaranteed foils, I guess is probably the biggest upside. If you buy three normal boosters, I don't think the odds are in favor of you getting any foils. So you can kind of like guarantee that you could maybe open a sweet foil. So I guess that's the upside, but people who are like collecting, are they really opening boosters anyway? Like if you're, if you're a finance type or a collector type, you're probably not getting your cards by cracking boosters anyway. So it is kind of a odd choice. Uh, also worth noting, they made it very clear that these are going to be very limited and it's a test product, especially here in North America. It sounds like it might be more widely available in Japan, but especially here in North America, going to be very limited. So you might not actually see these. They, they might not be in your area at all. So yeah. yeah. Eh? Are we gonna are we gonna try to get one? Did did they even say where to, where to get this from? Is it they, Hasbro Toy Shop? <laughs> they did they did not. I assume that they're gonna be available at like uh, local game stores, maybe big box stores. I'm not a I'm not a hundred percent sure. They did not say where we're actually gonna get them from. Yeah, maybe we'll get one just to to crack it open. I'm curious. Like, I wonder if it's like a really thick booster, or actually, no, it's 15 cards, right? So it's actually just gonna be the size of a, a normal booster. It is the same. Yeah, it is the same yeah. size as a normal booster. So mm. I mean, I'm sure if you really want them, they probably will be on eBay and places like that. If you want to try to uh, pick them up, if they're not in your area, I wonder what they'll. I mean. Maybe they'll be expensive on the secondary market. Maybe if you live in an area, I wonder if you can resell them for more if you can just pick up a bunch because they're selling them at your Walmart or something. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on from the world of paper magic to the world of magic arena. So we got a little bit of arena news this week. The big news is they announced that a very requested feature is coming, hopefully in November. They didn't give us a 100% definite, uh, in November, but that's a goal. And that is the ability to challenge friends to game. So the system's a little bit convoluted where you have to have like your friend's name and then ID number, and then you can send them a challenge. Uh, for now, it is only best of one matches, which is a little bit weird, but still, the ability to uh, play with your friends on Arena. So how big of a deal is this, Richard? Is this a game changer for Arena? 
Yes. <laughs> the reason why we play Magic, i.e. to play with friends, has finally come to Magic Arena. Uh, very awkward. When I want to play Seth, we can't. Uh, when you want to play with, uh, let's say, viewers on the stream, you kind of got to just queue up and hit the play button at the same time and hope it works. So, yes, this is a very welcome feature. Uh, I'm going to assume they're going to change it so you can do any game mode in the future. Best of one is probably what they're testing with, but I don't see why you can't play best of three or, you know, modern or not modern standard one V one singleton, like, you know, all the weird formats they have. I, I'm going to assume that eventually you can use, you know, all of those, but friends is a big deal, especially because if you're trying to introduce your friend, like, you know, say your actual real life friend to magic, you'd say, hey, try arena. It's free. It's, you know, it's, it's in beta right now and you can learn to play magic. And then you want to hop into a game and play with them to help them learn. And you can't do that. Right. So I think this will help that a lot. And yeah, I mean, every other game has playing with friends. So it's about time that arena got it. Yeah. I think it's definitely a big addition. Yeah, hopefully they change so eventually you can play best of three. The system right now, if you want to test best of three, would be like building a new deck that had been sideboarded and playing against the person again for games two and three, which is pretty clunky. Although one thing that is kind of nice is they said that there's going to be no restrictions on the deck. So uh, in theory, you can play any format you want to that the cards on arena support. So you can play singleton, you could play pauper or whatever you want to. The down side of that is uh it's on the honor system so you got to make sure that your friend is also playing the same format as you because some, someone could just sneak a rare into their popper deck and say it was popper if they wanted to but yeah but here's the most important feature set so after you get destroyed in ladder you can add them as your friend and then tell them how lucky they were in chat i wonder the hearthstone special i wonder if you can chat or if it'll still be emotes I bet. You think, oh, you think it's not a friend list where you can chat to your friend? I don't know. You just got to randomly challenge them and hope they're sitting around and ready <laughs> to take your challenge? Uh, maybe? That was kind of oh, my impression of it, but I might be I wrong. assumed it would be Battle.net style, where you add your friend to your friends list, and then you can chat with them, and then you can challenge them. I think uh, I hmm. think that's their long-term goal, is that you're going to be able to have a friends list and actually interact with your friends. But I think for right now, it's more just like the ability to send a challenge and hope that they accept it. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll, ju- we'll just have to <laughs> talk through emotes. <laughs> <laughs> The the other thing as far as Arena is uh they had the state of the beta came out and which is their monthly post about what they're working on, what's been done, what's gonna be done, and a little bit of bad news regarding regarding the fifth card issue, which is one of the other big issues. If you get on like the arena Reddit, uh friends list, big request, fixing the fifth card issue is another big request, and it seems like fifth card is kind of pushed pretty far down their priority uh list. They talked about like Ray in different like tournament structures and seasons and stuff all ranking above the fifth card issue so little disappointed that it's not higher on the list because i think it's an increasing problem like the more people play and the more cards they open the more people are getting these useless fifth copies and being frustrated by the system so hopefully wizards actually moves that up the list a little bit because i i actually think that's a really big deal and really needs to be fixed yeah, I feel like Watsi is just sweeping it under the rug. They're saying, okay, you know, we'll, we'll fix it at some point, but why bother? Everyone's playing Arena anyway. We got so much buzz. You know, we're, we're challenging Hearthstone for the top slot sometimes. And I feel like the impact is not going to hit 
until a couple of months down the line where everyone quits because they can't build any decks because they can't swap decks because they're not acquiring cards fast enough because they can't play uh you know whatever their favorite streamer is playing at the moment people will just silently quit and then at that point it's too late to win them back so I, I think it's a kind of problem that's not immediate, but if you don't fix it, it's going to have repercussions down the line. And it's basically the economy, right? Like if, if you can't build decks, you're going to get bored of grinding the same deck for a while, and then you'll just switch to Hearthstone or you'll switch to whatever the the latest CCG or TCG that's free to play as well is on the market. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully they move it up the list because sooner or later, uh, right now, it mostly impacts people that spend a bunch of money on the game. If you spend a bunch of money, you got a big collection, you're going to open lots of fifth copies, which, uh, you know, that's a bummer, but it hasn't really hit the free to play community too much yet because it takes longer to build up a collection. But I feel like once that actually happens, then the outrage and the roar from the community is going to get a lot louder because right now it's mostly the people that are spending money on the game that get hit by it so hopefully wizards fix it before before we get to crisis mode and have just a huge blow up about it because arena has so much potential and it feels like they're like slowly making the steps towards getting to that potential and this is one of the last big things i think that everyone pretty much agrees on from wizards like saying they know they need to fix this and they are going to fix this through the community and every level of the game uh, needs to be fixed so all right. Anything else, Richard, or is it fish mail time? No, let's move to fish mail. So if you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So first question from Frederick. I don't have Twitter, but I listen to the podcast and have a question. What do you do when you lose in Commander Clash and the other two or three are still playing? Do you just mute and do something else? while listening for example i usually i usually try to hang around and sometimes chime in but often i do mute myself and like uh, it depends on the time frame start to like get my deck list ready for the stream or something that comes up afterwards uh, i actually i actually like it when i'm dead this is weird but when i'm playing <laughs> you know i gotta concentrate on what i'm doing in my hands and like yeah you know what the board state is but you're not really thinking uh, that hard about it but when you're dead you get to really think about what the other people are trying to do and what's going on so i actually find it pretty fun to you know kind of sit myself in one of the remaining players uh seat and try to play their stuff if that makes sense so i, I actually still watch and i'm pretty engaged even uh when i'm dead and this this depends on how salty i am when i die too if i'm like super <laughs> salty then maybe i just won't do anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, you, it's not like you ever die early anyway, so uh, what have you had to deal with this once this season or something, Richard? <laughs> what? I always die early. They're like, oh, oh, Richard has nothing, but if we leave him alone, he's going to win, so let's just kill him. <laughs> you do have a reputation for doing that, so can, yeah. you, can you blame us? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I blame all of you. I blame um. all of you. All right, Sebastian Tans, do you guys have a favorite artist? If so, what's your favorite piece by said artist? Oh, man. Oh, I'm the worst person to ask this. I like art, uh, but I don't know if I have a favorite artist. Do you have a favorite artist right off the top of your head, Richard? Yeah, that's hard. Like, I I appreciate the art, but it's not something I actively look at or, you know, I'm, I'm super into. So, Therese Nielsen, I always love what she does. Uh, favorite piece? I don't know. I really like the new Force of Will. 
Uh, I it's actually comparable to the old Force of Will to me. And if you were to release them today, I think everyone would go with the new one. But it's the old one's just so iconic. Uh, Swords to Plowshares by hers is pretty good as well. Hmm. Maybe I really like land art. I think doing deck techs and stuff, I've come to really appreciate how good land art is as a backdrop for doing things like deck tap. So I'm like really into basic land art now. So maybe John Avon uh, is one of my favorite land artists. He just draws such good, uh, does so well with doing land. So yeah. I like land art too. Noah Bradley is my favorite. Ooh, that's um, yeah, that's a good choice as well. I just like it because he he does so much for the community. He always like releases videos and engages the community, and you know, just watching him paint land, it's just like voodoo. It's like wow, right? When you watch an artist like actually do the process. It just like blows my mind. Yeah, there's there's a time lapse video of him yeah. doing endless sands, I think. Which check it out on YouTube. It's super cool to see. It takes like ten minutes with the time lapse, but it's really awesome to see the process. Variant human. When should I buy all the Shocklands? I usually wait for rotation, but I feel like Shocklands are special and won't go down. Yeah. So I think that the goal that you're waiting for is probably another month or so. So I think that prices are going to really start to come down once Magic Online Redemption comes online, and then Redemption is going to last up through the, a little bit after the next set release. So starting in a couple of weeks through the holiday season and January, that's when supply will really be increasing from people redeeming sets on Magic Online. So I would be targeting probably around when Ravnica Allegiance's spoilers start to get the ones for uh, from Guilds of Ravnica and then wait again in the same time frame like up until about when the last set of Guilds of Ravnica block quote unquote releases to get the ones from Ravnica Allegiance's alright from Kyoji Takenochi what's the strangest deck theme you've seen in Commander my friends built a deck based on a car commercial it's Commanders are Vile Smasher and Cino Kondo, all the five mana tutus because you're paying too much for a bad body that's not going to last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a commander deck quite that creative. That's that's going super deep. What is the? We do so many different themes, but I don't think we've ever had anything that was was that good. Hmm. Uh, Tomer's six drop tribal. That one's memorable for some reason. Oh, that's memorable for the wrong reasons. I really <laughs> like Jen's Wizard of Oz deck. That was like every card was on theme, but like super on theme. Like you didn't have to really stretch it to see why it was on theme. It was just like, oh, that's so obviously on theme. So I actually really like that Wizard of Oz deck. Uh, Wesley Plugemart. What are your thoughts on Poison Tip Archer and Golgari decks. I played in a Saltite deck with Quasi Duplicate and Expansion Explosion and a bunch of token makers. Hmm. I mean, Poison Tipped Archer it has a powerful ability, uh, being able to drain your opponent out almost like Blood Artist style. It does die pretty easily. I don't know. I think the current decks of Golgari. I don't know if you have enough synergy for it. I think you really need to build around it. And I love Aristocrat-style decks, which is where Poison-Tipped Archer would be right at home. And I feel, for me, it's a card that I'll be more excited about this 
winner because I feel like we're going to get some more good sacrifice outlets like that's kind of a theme of Orzov traditionally so I wouldn't be surprised to see it become really good but right now I feel like we're lacking the sacrifice outlets to really make it good and if you're just hoping that creatures like naturally trade off I don't know if that's good enough or not all right Mark Jaram regarding last episode Morrow has said path to exile won't be reprinted because it's a color pie breaker so my question is, what part of the color pie would you change? Personally, I'd give white the best scry cards to make up for its lack of card draw. Hmm, that would be interesting. So I'm assuming with Path, it's because it's a ramp spell? Like, I I guess that's the part that would break the color pie, is your mono white deck can tutor out a land if you target one of your own creatures? No, I think it's non-conditional removal. Because uh, Settle the Wreckage is basically Path to Exile. And it's all, it's all the same theme, right? The theme is like, uh, you're a warrior and for some reason you've decided to stop fighting, right? Swords to plowshares, path to exile, settle the wreckage. Like, I, I think the, the key difference is you have to be in combat or something. Like, you know, think condemn or, uh, bless the lions or things like that. Whereas path, you can just fire off anytime you want or swords, you can fire off at any time you want. Hmm. What about all the like conclave tribunal, Ixalan's binding? Like, because that's an enchantment, is that, that yeah, makes it those okay? Are, those are enchantments. Like, obl- hmm. Oblivion Ring effects, pacifism effects. But yeah, I don't know. Well, Interesting. What, so, I would give White the ability to do unconditional removal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I think White should have Path. Like, I don't see why not. Like, why, why... No one else has removal. Like, Black has removal, right? And White is, like, the secondary exile removal. So I think they should be able to have unrestricted exile removal. What would I change about the color pie? I think... I think white card advantage is actually a really good answer. That's something we've talked about with Commander Clash a lot, how, like, red has now been getting more card advantage options, blue has them, black has them, green has gotten a lot more recently attached to, like, creatures. White is the one color that hasn't really gotten its identity as far as card draw. We've seen, like, a little bit of it, like, attached to life gain being a theme. I don't know if that's enough to really power all white decks in Commander, though, so I don't know about Scry being primarily in white. That feels a little weird to me, but I do think that somehow finding a way for white to draw cards would be good. I'd actually like to see more ramp. And, you know, like, the land tax style ramp that white doesn't really get more of like what is the latest card that actually does something like knight of the white orchid like it doesn't get too many of those uh you know tutor up lands or tutor up planes or things like that anymore and i think that is a decent option for uh making up for its ramp ability like the conditional if you're behind on lands you get lands type ramp yeah yeah or i'd also say land destruction but you know Watsy doesn't want to go there anymore (laughs) (laughs) like white actually had like a pretty good color identity before right like balance type cards it's just all their cards are too good right so they've all been banned and you can't use them anymore oh that's true white used to be kind of the mass land destruction color and that does not happen much anymore like white was like about bringing equality to the board and like balancing things out right like land tax lets you catch up balance knocks everyone back down uh but i don't know watsi's just moved away from those mechanics so white's kind of left with bad lifelink creatures right <laughs> like we, we need we need something else to to shore up what what they got they got removed td chillion when should i buy a place at a noble hierarchs i'm so late to the party that waiting for another reprint uh maybe could be worth it or should i just buy them now uh so 
I think that it's got to be near the top of the reprint list. The general thinking is there's going to be a master set this spring slash winter. So I would wait and see about that set. Like, I think there's a good chance that it's going to be reprinted in the near future and the price will come down temporarily. There is risk in that if there isn't a master set or if it doesn't get reprinted, then it could end up being $100 instead of $80, which... Uh, that wouldn't be a good thing, but I think the upside of waiting one more Masters set is probably high enough, and then, at that point, uh, then you just gotta bite the bullet and buy it if you need them for your collection, even if it's not reprinted, because then it'll probably be at least another year until it gets reprinted. Alright, DB8, bro, if you have a favorite NFL team, who is it? How do you feel about the team this year? And way too early for Super Bowl predictions. Oh no. Do Seth, what is to... what is Bill's Nation up to this season? <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Uh yes, I'm a Bills fan. The Bills are really, really bad, and they're bad in like a really Oh man, I could go on a half hour rant about this actually. So the Bills, they have this big thing about the process and I used to be an NBA fan, and then I started following NBA again back when the 76ers were really bad, because I like analytics, and I thought that the process and uh, all the stuff they were doing to tank and get draft picks, I, it was really interesting to me. So now the Bills are on this big, oh, we're, we're doing our process, we're on the process, but they keep trading for and signing these like 35-year-old former Carolina Panthers who are horrible <laughs> at football, and so we're, they're like doing it completely backwards. Oh man, I uh, I don't even know what to say. I'm a Bills fan, a very frustrated Bills fan, and I have not only very little hope for this year, but for like the next half decade or something. Would you ever consider jumping ship? Like, what what is the closest city with an NFL team to you? <laughs> it is Buffalo. I mean, besides the Buffalo, like the uh, next closest, like Pittsburgh or one of the New York City teams. Oh, they- if you are a Pittsburgh fan, you actually have hope of like winning a Super Bowl year in and year out, Seth. <laughs> uh, I've been a Bills so. My Bills fandom started when I was a kid. Some of my youngest memories were, like, when they were good and, like, going to the Super Bowl and my family was Bills fans. So I don't think I've stuck it out through my entire lifetime of them being bad. So at this point, I don't think I can change. I just got to hope that sometime in my lifetime, they're actually good at football again. All right. Let let me recap my NFL fandom. So I'm Canadian. So I grew up in Canada. So we didn't have a football team. But the closest team was the Bills. And as a kid, I remember the Music City Miracle. Uh, prior to that, I remember the, oh, what was it, like the three Super Bowls they lost in a row or whatever? I was like really small, right? But I was like scarred as a Bills fan. <laughs> and then so when I, when I was a teenager and I actually got really into football, I was just like, well, I'm Canadian. I can't watch football live anyway. I just chose whatever team I wanted to, um, follow and i was a big peyton manning fan so i was a colts fan for the majority of my you know adult life and then when he switched to denver i i followed denver and then when he retired i kind of stopped watching the nfl so i've been (laughs) out of the nfl loop for like a couple years now so i don't actually know what's going all i know is just tom brady never gets old uh tom brady is still in the same division as the bills so good luck seth uh and yeah so, uh, I've always wondered this. Canada has CFL, right? Like, is that actually a big thing in Canada? Where does that rank no. in the Canadian sports hierarchy? It's pretty low. Very low. Very okay. low. Okay. 
I okay. mean, it's it's like, have you ever watched the? It is super weird. Like you can go yeah. in, mo- like you can go in motion before you snap the ball, and then ah, <laughs> uh, what is it? The, you only like, have like if three you miss, downs or something. So you and... have three downs, right? So and then something about like if you kick an extra point, like you can run it back. There's like <laughs> these really weird rules that that happen. So when you actually watch a game, it's it's weird. <laughs> the extra person on the field like everything is just weird the super wide field and things like that but yeah we we had a local team we actually had like two or three cfl teams that you know i'm within 20 minutes of and i watched like one cfl game and that's because they gave like discount tickets (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, as far as super bowl the second part of the question uh i'm gonna go with the easy predictions rams out of the nfc because they look insanely good this year and also the chiefs those that would be my Super Bowl prediction. No crazy, no crazy choices. Those seem like obvious picks. So I do, I do want to plug the CFL for one thing though. Like I, I watch sometimes the Grey Cup, which is the Super Bowl uh, of the CFL, just because every game is like the Ice Bowl. It's usually like two quote unquote Midwest teams uh, in Canada, and it is like ice out there. It is like super cold. So you just like, can these guys really play in this weather? And you know they they wear their full face mask and like you see their breath all over the place and it's just actually ridiculous and probably unsafe to play in that weather. But that <laughs> always happens because I don't know why they got to choose the coldest place on earth to <laughs> play play the Grey Cup every year. But that that's an entertaining thing to watch. All right, back on magic. So much value. Do versatile answers like Assassin's Trophy end up benefiting combo decks like Dredge more by letting them beat any hate? Yes. I don't know if I would say... I I think they are at their best in decks like that. But they are good in other decks as well. So if it benefits them more, maybe it's slightly more. But it's very true at a deck like Dredge. You have lots of things that you want to be able to deal with. Enchantment, Graveyard Hate, Artifact, Graveyard Hate, Creature, Graveyard Hate. And having one card that can just be your catch-all to all of the things that can ruin your combo. Very powerful in decks like Storm, or even like decks like Dredge, although... Or, deck, yeah, decks like Dredge, and also decks like Storm, even though Storm can't actually play Assassin's Trophy. But it is very true that catch-all answer is really good in combo decks. Yeah, I mean, think uh, Swan Song. Where you're like, okay, we'll give you this card to help you combat combo decks. And then combo decks are like, cool, I'll take it too. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, like, if it's a good card, combo decks can, can, can take it as well and, and use it. So there's a fine balance. Like, you see things with like mental misstep, Gitaxian probe. Like, if it's a good card, everyone tries to play it. Uh, Dan Cressman, how important is graveyard hate when building a commander deck for an unknown meadow? What kind of hate should I be running? Um, I just like to go with the free roll graveyard hate. Things like scavenger grounds, uh, if you're in black bajuka bog, if you're in green, something like scavenging ooze. So go for cards. I wouldn't play like dedicated rest in peace style graveyard hate in most of my decks unless I was like enchantress and was drawing a card off it or something. But if you could play cards that kind of incidentally hate on the graveyard and either are attached to a land, so it's kind of a free roll or are good in other ways. Like scavenging ooze is just like gains your life life, it becomes big. Uh, cards like that that are good in other situations too, then I try to just always slot a few of those into my deck just in case. Yeah, Scavenger Ground 
and Relic of Progenitus, I think, should be in all decks. And then incidental cards like Scavenging Ooze, Bajuka Bog, if you have the right colors. Uh, I would never just random play, randomly play Rest in Peace, unless, like Seth said, there's some point to it in your deck. Uh, but don't skimp on the graveyard hate. Everyone skimps on the graveyard hate because you have to make cuts and you're like, well, what are the odds I need this, right? And then you always get wrecked by the graveyard deck, so... Uh. Relic's a good point, because that's like a free roll, because you can always just cycle it, so yeah. The only time I don't play Relic is if I myself need my own graveyard, then it's like awkward. Uh, But I've seen people play Tormod's Crypt as well. Uh, That one uh, actually costs you a card, though. Eric Judd 111 would you be willing to pay a subscription fee for MTG Arena if it is completely... uh, if it completely supports Eternal? No changes to economy, timer, etc. If so, how much? So if they did nothing else, and they released the beta as is, but gave you all the formats. Is that mm. worthy of subscription fee? Honestly, for me, I would personally say no, but I am more accepting of Modo than most people. If you're someone who just absolutely refuses to play Magic Online, uh, if I was like that, then the answer might be yes. Although with the current economy, ugh, I don't know about trying to put together Eternal decks on a regular basis. Yeah, so I mean, this is never going to happen. Uh, this is not the model they want, but it's always an issue of pricing, right? Like if they say 10 bucks, yeah, sign me up, whatever, right? If they say 50 bucks, who's actually going to pay this, right? Uh, you, you have to actually do some spreadsheet analysis to see if it's worth it. But uh, I think if they actually do it, it'd be very popular, but they wouldn't do it because they would lose money, right? And if they did it in such a way that they don't lose money, it would be too expensive and no one would use it. So I, I don't think they'd ever go down this path. Uh, Streakus. Watsy removing search and shuffle effects, uh, yet we still have Evolving Wilds as a core card. I think they'll replace Evolving Wilds with the land that you sack to look at the top X cards for any land, put them into play tapped, and put the rest on the bottom. What should X be? I don't know if that would be playable. I don't think... I don't think that would... For it to be playable, X would have to be... Can't with number. Like, like if it would X have was to like be 10. Like, yeah, you, 10 or 20 or something. But then, like, how, that, aren't you basically, like, shuffling anyway if you have to put all your cards on the bottom in a random order? Like, you're, how much better is that than just tutoring <laughs> up a direct land if you got to pull half your deck out and shuffle it anyway? Oh, what's worse if it's not random and then your opponent sits there and thinks about how to rearrange those 10 cards? And you're like, dude, the game's not going to go that long. <laughs> like, come oh. on, just, just throw them under there. I feel like that Evolving Wilds is going to be okay. I don't think that Wizards wants to get rid of shuffling and tutoring, period. I mean, we still see cards that make you shuffle and cards that make you tutor, but I feel like if they can minimize that, they will try to do that. So not related to this, but what do you think of Watsy actually going to the Hearthstone model where you just get free land every turn? Like, either it's a, a special mode on Arena, or it's some kind of emblem, you know, like some one drop that comes with an emblem where just every turn at the beginning of your main phase add one mana where or add X mana where X is the number of counters on it of any color. Like we have cards that kind of do something like this. They're just really expensive. But, you know, that, that removes the problem of color fixing, shuffling, stuff like that. Like, do you think they'd ever try that? I mean... They like to try to do Hearthstone things, like No Instance was one of their events this weekend, so I could see them trying something like that as a special event, maybe. 
as an actual supported format, I think it just, my opinion is it just straight up breaks magic and would not be fun. Like, then all of a sudden colors don't matter because you can just play everything together. Hearthstone is built with, like, classes, right? To, like, kind of have a limitation on what cards you can put in a deck together, similar to colors, but not taking into account mana. So I feel like the magic would have to change a ton to not be broken by that change. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, but to answer this actual question, I think it'd have to be like five cards, five to ten cards. But I don't think, like Seth said, it solves anything because you end up shuffling those ten cards anyway and putting them on the bottom. The best thing I've heard were the fetch lands where you fetch a card outside the game, but uh, that has other problems like with tokens and stuff trying to keep track of the lands and things like that. Uh, all right, last question. Gore Lord. I want to say the addition of Pleasant Kenobi to Commander Clash has truly made it the greatest thing on YouTube. Every game is Seth dirtling while Richard kills him and Tomer and Vince arguing about what to put in their decks and why the other person should be killed. <laughs> that actually that actually sums up season, uh, what is it, season 5 we're on? Whatever season this is, that sums it up very, very well. <laughs> well, I, I guess I love season 5. You guys, you guys don't have the real... So the, the real answer is... Uh, everyone starts picking on Vince for the memes, uh, but he takes it super seriously, right? He thinks we're actually killing him and we're just trolling him. And then uh, Vince will convince everyone to kill me because he's like, oh, Richard is not threatening and you know he's going to win. Tomer will make a play and then Vince and Tomer will just go at it for the rest of the game. And then it all ends with Tomer doing a two-card off-theme <laughs> combo to kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. like, oh, you thought I was playing this deck, huh? Here's Kiki Jiki. <laughs> Here's Kiki Jiki's Zell's Costumes combo. We're like, what? Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's about it. Well, I don't know if I've won a game this season, but man, I have dirtled and drawn a lot of cards, and mostly you guys ignore me. So I've I've had a great season, even though I haven't won at all. Like you just you think my uh, my decks are bad and I'm bad, so you just leave me alone and let me draw cards, and I'm super happy. You're you're the punching bag. Like I, I need to hit you to draw cards because you usually don't have creatures. <laughs> like oh, dousing dagger hits gotta get in there, right? Like. <laughs> I need to start playing some, like, walls. Just random, like, two-mana wall that you can't attack me while I dirtle. <laughs> yep. Wall, wall of Omen. Stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. That's all the questions we have for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. You can send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 195 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks again to the sponsor of the show, Spikes Academy. Check them out at spikesacademy.com. Get 10% off with the cold goldfish. So everyone have a wonderful week. We will be back next week to talk some more magic. Until then, have a great week. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs>